a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. 2022 marks the end of independence for the BYU Cougars. I love the fact that we get to go into the Big 12 uh, with all our teams. It's beautiful. Now, BYU heads to the Big 12 and a big wake-up call for their football and basketball programs. This is the end of independence with Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. What is up, Cougar Nation, and Merry Christmas. It's Christmas Eve, Mitch, but uh, Merry Christmas to all you BYU fans out there. Maybe doing some, hopefully not, but some last-second shopping, tuning in to Cougar Sports Saturday. However, it's a special edition Cougar Sports Saturday, Mitch. It is the end of Independence Special, and it's brought to you by UCCU. Love where you bank. You are down in Albuquerque, New Mexico. For the final game of the independent era, we'll get to that in just a minute, but for the next three hours, we are breaking down the conclusion of BYU as an independent football program. It's hard to believe this day is here, Mitch, but it is now in the rearview mirror. And it is a glorious time, Cougar Nation, to have independence finally in the rearview mirror. Look, it's been there's been some highs, yeah. and we'll go over some of those highs and some of the lows maybe too, and maybe the best quarterbacks, the best players, the best moments. We'll hit on all of that in today's special edition. But it is nice to see independence brought to an end uh, because it came at a time when BYU declared its independence back in 2010. There was so much uncertainty. I remember people like Lavelle Edwards, Steve Young, they were so unsure of seeing their beloved BYU going to the path that no one travels to. You know, Notre Dame is an independent, but... That's the, 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 the loosest term of independence I've ever seen because now they're still affiliated with the ACC. BYU did it on their own, and when you look back on it, it's remarkable. And it all started back in 2011 at Ole Miss in SEC country. BYU gets that win with the heroics of Kyle Van Noy, and then it's capped off with a New Mexico Bowl win with some more defensive heroics from Jacob Robinson getting a, a stop on the two-point conversion there's been a lot of great moments in between. A lot of great moments, and, and you just mentioned two of them. You were at both. It's, it's I don't know. I, I can't think of another single person that I know that was there for the initial game of the independent era and the last one. Have you given that any thought, Mitch? You know, until just now, until you just said that, Matt, <laughs> I had not. Be, but when you think about it, Oxford, Mississippi is not a place that people are typically vacationing to, no. so it's not a hot spot in that regard. And then, two, the New Mexico Bowl only had 22,000 people, 
And did it really have twenty two thousand people? It was a little bit loose. That was that was a loose loose way of saying it. So yes, I there's probably not many people that can say they went to both the beginning and the end of independence and very grateful to to do this uh, job to see so many cool places, but uh, yeah, it is kind of unique, and to think it's actually the end. And I will say, Matt, I'm kind of excited to see what BYU and covering BYU will be like in a conference again. You know, in this role, I've never covered BYU football in a league, so I'm excited to talk about all conference performers, players of the week, and things like that. Will be so much fun to to kind of be back into that and having a league to focus on because BYU has always just tried to find its way in the college football landscape because they've done it on their own. Let's look back at the final game in the independent era, which was that thrilling stop on the two-point conversion where Jacob Robinson tackled Tanner Mordecai on a puzzling play call by the Mustangs. I, I just have to throw that out there. Great defensive play, but you're known for throwing the rock all over the field and you go with the QB draw with the game on the line. The final, I love that those two games that we just talked about, the first and the last, both wins, both both really defensive wins, because I think the BOU defense in the New Mexico game got it done late. They had that pick six by Ben Bywater. They have that tackle. Could you feel that at all down in New Mexico, that this was the final game of its kind being as an independent? I could. And, you know, going into the game, the press conference before – that was a storyline. Even guys like Tyler Batty, Chris Brooks, the running back, they brought that up, how they want to end independence on a high note and to get some momentum going into the Big 12 Conference era. And so I think that was that was reason for, uh, you know, kind of to be dialed in and have some motivation. BYU was a team this year that they underperformed. Yes, I think we can all agree on that. But the way that they finished this year and kind of bought into all these little storylines each and every week, I think that will be a a lasting imprint of BYU in 2022. And kind of the lasting legacy of independence was always, what are you playing for? That was always a big talking point when they made this move. And it was worrisome because how are you going to create a schedule? How are you going to do this? But they made it all work. And, you know, that New Mexico Bowl, it kind of embodied what independence was. A solid season where if you put up a 7-5 and five record in a Big 12, you're probably going to a much more high-profile bowl game, probably a more attractive destination. But in Independence, your options in the postseason are limited. And you got to you know conjure up your own motivation. And BYU did that and rose to the occasion and got a win over a solid SMU team. And now they go off into the, the sunset and get ready for the Big 12 Conference. But, yeah, I did sense from players and coaches that they wanted to cap off Independence on a high note. Offensively, that game, I mean, I think the way that it all unfolded offensively in the final game of the independent era in the New Mexico Bowl will be something we remember for a long time. Soljay Mayava Peters gets the start. You and I, we, we were starting to hear some word a day before the game that it was trending that direction, and we talked about this last week. Cade uh, Finnegan just didn't seem healthy enough to to do it. Um, And I feel bad for him because it would have been a great opportunity and BYU's offense would have looked very differently, but they go with Soljay. And the reason I think that offense was successful, one, is the offensive line played great football. But I think they maybe were prepping for that for weeks, that it was going to be heavy zone read with Soljay and the running backs. And 
it was kind of weird to watch because it was so different than what they had done all year, but it got the job done. It did, and you know I think that also helped that SMU was a bad rush defense. So Soljay's <laughs> a guy that can run and he can pick up a third and twelve with his feet, and and it works. And you know I think Soljay did a did a nice job, and he became only the second BYU quarterback. In, in history to have his first career start in a bowl game. The other was Tom Young in the 1992 Aloha Bowl, back when BYU was in the whack. And it's interesting, too, Sol J caps off an era of independence where 12 seasons, 12 different starting quarterbacks for BYU. It started with Jake Heaps and all the promise of Jake and what he was going to bring to BYU football. You were working closely with Greg Rubel at yep. that time as an intern here at KSL. And and then it caps off with Soljay Bayava Peters. Like uh, who would have thought that? Uh, is he that the was... only freshman in college football that is a parent? Hmm. Listed as a freshman <laughs> and as a parent, probably. I'm going to guess. <laughs> I don't have the official stat on that, but I'm going to guess that he is the lone freshman in college football that's married and has a child. When I yes. saw that, it blew my mind because I'm like, he's surely a sophomore by now, right? Well, he's, it, he's a third-year freshman. Right, right. So. COVID, red shirt, and then this is his freshman year. And I think, you know, with Sol J, credit to him. You know, I, I think going forward past independence, he deserves a crack at competing, you know, for the job. I don't, I don't look at him as the heir apparent, the next guy in the building. I always use that term from the days of Taysom Hill when Troy Aikman was saying, the next man after Drew Brees is in the building, and it's Taysom Hill. Yeah, that was wrong. Uh, it but- was wrong, but <laughs> we can argue if, if we will get to Taysom <laughs> soon yes, yes. in this show. <laughs> but Sol J, I, I think he deserves a crack. I mean, I thought you know he made the most of his opportunity and did a nice job, and and BYU made the most of their opportunity being an in independence because it elevated them to the Power Five. Ratings. It was a, a wacky, interesting finish to a, a unusual year that did not go the way they wanted to. But they end on a high note, uh, uh, winning their final bowl game as an independent football program against SMU. we got to get to a break here. It's December giving. Join UCCU and give help to those in need. Visit uccu.com for details. On the other side, what are you going to miss about independence? What are you not going to miss about it? We'll discuss that next. You're listening to the end of independence on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the KSL Sports End of Independence Special. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte with you today on this Christmas Eve, reflecting on the past 12 years of BYU football as an independent. You can tweet your thoughts at us at KSL Sports or text us on the, on the KSL text line 57500. So, Matt, what are some of your memories or things about independence that you're going to miss, and maybe some of the things you, you will not be missing from this time as an independent football player. Man, I, I think the thing I'm going to miss most, and we've talked about this many times on the show, and I think a lot of college football fans will agree with me, I'm going to miss some great matchups. And, and what's kind of interesting about the independent era too, Mitch, is for the majority of it, it was great games in September, sometimes great games in October, Rarely a good game in November. This past year was a ideal independent schedule because you had great games all throughout. Even that game against Stanford, Stanford right. was no good, but that's still an that's a compelling football game at the end of the year. So this past year was not indicative of how it typically was, but boy, am I going to miss some of those 
great games that I think a lot of fans years in advance were circling those games on the calendar. Are we gonna? Is it? Are we going to Madison, Wisconsin? Are we going to Knoxville, Tennessee? Are we going to Oxford, Mississippi? Like Austin, Texas. We could go on and on and on. It was so cool. All of the different places that BYU played. And going forward, it's going to be few and far between because you're going to have the Big 12 schedule, and then you're not going to play two or three interesting teams in the non-conference. We'll be lucky to get one. In some years, I bet you don't even get an interesting non-conference game because it could be Boise State or it could be a Utah game. And and look, we don't need to get into the BYU-Utah rivalry here, but that's not quite the same as going to Florida State. That's not the same as visiting Clemson. It's a great game, but it's not one of those, let's get all the buddies and the families, we make this big trip out of it. So I'm going to miss that the most, is that we're just not going to have sexy non-conference football games hardly ever. And But it's it's clearly worth it because that's what you have to do to get a seat at the table of Power 5 football. And so I commend them for doing it, but I won't deny that I'm going to miss some of these very interesting matchups that are going to fall by the wayside. I think that's a great point, Matt, because that is something that I think BYU fans, Cougar Nation has grown during independence. Yep. I, I believe that. I think that with the goals of being more visible and having exposure, this fan base has grown. I, oh, I don't yeah. recall. Maybe it's just the world of social media, so the world feels smaller. But it feels like Cougar Nation has shown up in every part of the country for every road game. And, you know, I we, we've gone to road games before Independence in the Mountain West days, and it didn't, it didn't feel like these type of turnouts all the time. So I'm going to miss that, too. I think I'm, I'm also... I'm not going to miss BYU feeling uncertain in its place in college football yeah. anymore. That I will Some not miss. Some people would, oh, it, they're a Power 5 opponent in one league. Yeah. They're not a, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I just think that that will, I will not miss at all because it was always frustrating, the the thought. And I know BYU didn't have that undefeated season. They're still waiting for that since 1984. But the feeling that you could go undefeated and you could still end up in what bowl they were in this year, the New Mexico Bowl. Like, that just... Never has sat well with me to think that that could have been the case for BYU if they had that magical season. And where now it's like BYU knows that if they put together that 12-0, and 11-1, and 10-2 season, they are going to the playoff. They're going to the 12-team playoff. They're going to be playing for a Big 12 title. And that's just a great thing for BYU football. So I will not miss that component to independence. I will also miss just the fact that I, I do I did love the creativity with the scheduling. I, I think that that is something that was always fascinating to me and it, and it also honestly because of the the factor of, of not seeing these teams very often if ever at all, I think it posed opportunities for BYU to spring upsets you know when they go into Madison, Wisconsin they haven't faced Wisconsin in what five six years or whatever there's no familiarity there and they just roll into town as a three touchdown underdog and spring the upset right. and whereas in a conference it's tougher to do that because teams will know all your tendencies they'll know all your personnel better than ever and there'll be a little bit more heightened engagement to that game because it's a conference game so that's a different dynamic that I will miss where I just loved when BYU would go into a venue and just shock everyone. And they did that so many times in the Independence era. I'll tell you what I won't miss. I'm not going to miss the month of November. It just yeah. feels like when was the last time a meaningful football game was played in the month of November? Can, uh, I would say the COVID year. You know, COVID when they went to Boise. Uh, 
2013 when they went to Madison and they still had a puncher's chance at the BCS. Yeah, but yeah I mean, Maybe I'm, reaching. I'm, I'm reaching. I'm probably going to say 2009. 2009 in Mountain West? Mountain West. Yeah. BYU-Utah when it was a, a great rivalry game at the end of the year. Just even this past year, Boise State and Stanford, those are attractive games. I think a lot of people were interested in those games, but there was nothing on the line. Like, I think there's the storylines that develop within a conference in November are going to be interesting because when you look at the schedule, you could say, oh, it's going to be BYU and Texas Tech. That could be an ugly game. And then you get to it, and Tech might be knocking on the door of the Big 12 championship. You want to knock them off or vice versa. So I feel like in November there's going to be so many more meaningful football games that just get you so excited. Because the month of September, and credit to BYU fans, uh, games like Baylor, Utah, I feel like for the past four or five years, the home opener, it's just been incredible. Near sellouts, you got the Jets flying over, just it's palpable, the, the excitement, and that dwindles as the year goes on. I think there will be a prolonged state of excitement heading into November in the conference because there's there's all these stories. Like a rival could develop. Maybe Baylor's coming in or TCU. There could be a coach that says something bad. And you need to, it's just I feel like November is going to become so much more interesting in the Big 12. I can't wait for that. Uh, it's the end of independent special brought to you by UCCU. Love where you bank. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll get to our favorite home wins during the Independence era. There's been a lot of great games rolling through LES over the last 12 years. Which ones are our favorites? We'll discuss that next here on the End of Independence special on KSL News Radio. 2022 marks the end of Independence for the BYU Cougars. I love the fact that we get to go into the Big 12 uh, with all our teams. It's beautiful. Now, BYU heads to the Big 12 and a big wake-up call for their football and basketball programs. This is the end of Independence with Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back in to the end of Independence special here, and it's brought to you by UCCU. Love where you bank, and we hope you're having a wonderful Christmas Eve with your family. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone listening. We greatly appreciate the time that you spend listening to me and Mitch here on uh, KSL News Radio. Right now, let's discuss the best, maybe not the best, because best is subjective, our favorite yes. home wins of the independent special. And I got to tell you, the first one that really pops in my mind, and it's not just because of the win, but because of everything else that took place with this game. Of course, I'm referencing Taysom and Jamal running all over the Texas Longhorns. What happened to Mac Brown? What happened to me at Manny Diaz? It seemed like that was the end of Texas football. Oh, by the way, there was a monsoon before the game. You had Joe Tessitore on the call. That was a memorable football game, and unfortunately, the week before, they laid the egg in Charlottesville, so it, I think it lost a little bit of its luster, but then you come back to Provo, you've got this game, and Texas was one of the premier announcements, I think, when BOU went independent. Hey, we've got this deal with the Longhorns, we're playing the University of Texas, one of the storied football programs in college football, and then, and even early on... BYU was hanging, but it wasn't until that explosive Taysom Hill run that things opened up. Here's when he's at his best, and he does it again. Taysom Hill, they don't have an answer. 
answer for it. That was just an incredible play. And then who knew after that that it would just be Taysom after Taysom touchdown. And then Jamal was running wild. That was just a, a phenomenal game in the independent era. I, I love that game. And it is it is one where, you know, BYU, it was before they really got into the whole uniform weekly changes. You know, it was I think it was the week before Utah where they debuted the royal blue jerseys for the first time in a while. So it was that classic navy blue look against the Texas Longhorn burn orange. It was a good game. Like just good visual look. And I thought that, you know, BYU was in that go fast, go hard offense and they just blew the socks off of Texas, and it basically ended Mac Brown's tenure yeah. as the head coach at Texas on the 40 acres. And uh, that in and of itself, you know, BYU, when they take down teams, uh, there's a little bit of history sometimes to it as well. One of my favorites, I think it's got to be Utah yeah. in 2021. You know, BYU fans, you, you brought it up earlier in the show, the energy, the atmospheres, that have been at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in recent years has been amazing. You know, there was a time when BYU, Cougar Stadium, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, where fans didn't even really wear the blue. They didn't wear the fan attire. It wasn't much back in those days. But still, they were just wearing whatever they wanted to on a sun- Saturday afternoon at LES or Cougar Stadium. Now it's a sea of blue, and there's a lot of energy. And those that game against Utah was something special. I think Cougar Nation will always remember. 12 years in the making. What a week to be a Cougar. Yes, I understand, too, that Charlie Brewer was the quarterback for Utah, but that doesn't take away the fact that BYU took down the Utes, who who went on to win the Pac-12 that year. Yeah, that was a phenomenal win, and I think what I loved about that win the most was for so long in that game during the independent era, Utah was just so much better at the line of scrimmage. It was glaringly obvious. Uh, who can forget that out and up? And this was a a gutsy call by Brandon Doman back at, at Rice Echo Stadium. I think it would have been 2012, yes. where rather than try and set up for the field goal, they try to get the out and up to Cody <laughs> Hoffman down the sideline, and Star Lotulale blew the play up before it even had a chance. Yeah, BYU had a center that was, what, 250 pounds? <laughs> Blair, Blair Tusshouse. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, in the 2021 game, BYU was better at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. I think that's what made that so enjoyable was that BYU beat Utah at their own game. Well, and I think also with that BYU-Utah game in 2021, there was no pick six either. I mean, how many times, Cougar Nation, Molly, do you go into a Utah game and just say, let's see what happens if BYU doesn't have a catastrophic turnover? What would that outcome look like if they just simply don't throw a pick six? And you're, da 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 And you got this flag waving. It's yes. like, when will this stop? When will you just <laughs> take care of the football? T. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this nightmare will never end. You're like in in Vegas, you're thinking, I just spent $200 on this ticket to see BYU get down 35 zip. It's like, finally, BYU put together a game where they didn't cough up the football. And like you said, they won at the line of scrimmage. And you go, oh, they won. Interesting how that works, where there's not this massive talent gap, allegedly. You know, like, I know Utah's had an upper hand on BYU when it comes to you know, resources the past decade. I mean, it just that's the case. It just it is what it is. They were making more money, but BYU still, when they took care of the football, 
they can beat their rival, whoever it may be. Like they can, they can hang with these teams and take them down. And that Utah win in 2021 was a big one. One of my favorites. Who could forget this moment, Mitch? 54 seconds on the clock, and it's fourth and seven for BYU. Boise 24 and BYU 21. Mangum in the gun. Two wides to either side. They need seven yards. Snap Tanner on a three-step. Boise gets in. He's got room to the right. Tucks. Throws anyway. In the end zone it is. Caught! It's caught for a touchdown! Mitchell Jurgens leaning back and hauling it in. Somehow he caught it. The kid is hot tonight. The game itself, there was a lot of between the first bomb from Mangum to Jurgens to that. A lot of nothing in between. But you mentioned just electric atmospheres. I'll never forget how deafeningly loud Lavelle Edwards Stadium was when Tanner Mangum made that play to Jurgens, And then it, it, it feels like it, it carried over because everything is – the context of this game matters. What happened the week before with Nebraska – where Mangum comes in, throws the Hail Mary. It's incredible. Then, don't forget, during the week, game day comes out to Provo. They've got a feature on the RM who's been back for like 50 days and is throwing Hail Mary touchdowns. And you get the clip of them on the airplane, of the you know, sports center top place. Then the next week, you're like, okay. I mean, at some point, we're going to come back down to earth. It comes down to the Hail Mary again. Lavelle Edwards Stadium is blowing up. Boise State still has time to get the win. And what do you know? Kainakua picks off. I can't even remember this guy's name now. Boise State's quarterback. Who would it have been in that football game? Come on, Mitch. Who is this quarterback's I name? Remember. I can't remember. It's killing me. Anyways, he throws the pick to Kainakua. He takes it back to the house. It just felt like for a solid 15 minutes of, of real time, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, the roof had exploded. It was so loud. That was such a, a memorable moment, the Mangum miracle against Boise State. That was a good one. Another game that I liked was against Boise in 2013, just beating them for the first time. That was a Coach Pete Boise team, too, good point. in 2013, and that was a good one. But BYU handled the Broncos. What about Boise in 2019? That was, that was a that's wild a good, weather game. That's that, a good one, too. Baylor Romney steps in and saves Kalani's job, right. probably. Two and four. Boise goes to the New Year's Six if they win that game. Yep. You know, BYU derailed Boise's special season and saved Kalani his job because if they lose that game, they're 2-5, and five, and I bet they're probably going to have a losing season, yep. and Kalani's out. And does 2020 happen? Does 2021 totally. happen? I, yeah, who knows? Who and comes in? It, it's a, a fascinating thought how important that game was. Uh, you know, a game that I found, this is kind of uh, – obscure game, but it was just kind of interesting, was BYU-UCF in 2011. And I say this because it had a kick return for a touchdown Cody Hoffman. Hoffman. Yep. But it also was one of those just weird, obscure games that you know doesn't get much credit in the independent schedules for being a tough football game, but it's because it's not a, a Power 5 opponent. It will be soon, a Big 12 game, in fact. But, uh, you know, just the, the challenges that came with independent scheduling, even when you line up against a UCF, a Cincinnati, a Houston, there were always these tough games that they weren't labeled P5, but just some good football games were dotted on the schedule, and it would be challenging. And I thought that was kind of a one of those games early on in Independence where it's like, this is so different than what we're used to following BYU football, but hey, I'm embracing it. It's going to it's gonna be all right, and sure enough, it has Quickly, been okay. before we get to break, and then on the other side, we'll talk about our favorite road wins. 
Most devastating home loss during the independent era? Just off the top of your head. Oh, let's see. Most devastating? I would probably have to go with, oh, man. Is it 2011 Utah? 54-10? Yeah. Is that the one? No. Maybe Northern Illinois, 7-6. Maybe UMass, 2017? <laughs> There's been some doozies, man. I'm gonna, I got one for you quickly. The most devastating one for me was 2014 Utah State. Taysom Ooh, yes. gets hurt. That's a good They're one. They're 4-0. That's the one. And, and they end up losing that football game. They go on a four-game losing streak, and you felt like if they could just beat the Aggies. You're listening to the end of Independence on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back into an end of Independence era here on KSL News Radio. It's brought to you by UCCU, Love Where You Bank, Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. We're the host of Cougar Sports Saturday every Saturday in this spot from noon to three here on your legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. We're looking back on 12 years of Cougar football. The the lonely road of independence has provided some unique stages for BYU football. And we're looking at that now. Our favorite road wins for BYU football during the independence era. What's your favorite one, Matt? Oh, my goodness. What is my favorite one? That is so difficult to answer. I would probably have to say Nebraska 2015. That's a good one. That was just an incredible football game where that honestly, to me, when I think of the independent era, doesn't that Nebraska game entirely describe how you felt throughout these past 10 or so years? Because you come out of the gate, with Taysom at Nebraska, and he looks like a Heisman Trophy candidate. So good. He's slinging the ball all over the field. You're like, this dude looks like a top 100 NFL draft pick. He's throwing the ball with accuracy. He's throwing it deep. He's incredible. And then he scores a touchdown on a Liz Frank injury. And then it, and then uh, amidst that, there's the Algie Brown drop where that could have turned into a route, and then it, you feel like you're going to lose. Then Mangum comes in, and there's all these crazy plays. There's like a drop play, and, and then it results in the the miracle to Mitch Matthews. That was just a phenomenal football game, and uh, that's one that BOU fans will never forget. That's a special one. I remember being down on the field for that game. In the corner? I was there. Uh, I wish I had... My old iPhone. I wish I understood iCloud a little bit better because I could have carried over. <laughs> you don't the, have it? I don't think I You're do. You're kidding me. I don't think I do. I was not. I, I had a fancy iPhone. I had that iPhone 6 or maybe iPhone 7 Plus. I had that big thing. I was rocking that, that big boy. But uh, I did not understand iCloud well enough back then. So now I don't have that video. But, yes, oh. I was right there. And it was so surreal, too, watching Bronco talk about Taysom being out. I could just see the emotion in his eyes. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And then right next to me, standing up, was Tanner Mangum just folding his arms, watching Bronco make that announcement. I'm like, your time is now. Like, this is Tanner Mangum's team. And it's just surreal to see that moment uh, at Nebraska. Heck of a win. And you're right. It did embody independence from the fact that you get this amazing stage. You're in Lincoln, Nebraska, a blue-chip brand in college football. Like, Nebraska to young people today, it doesn't – really register. I think we're kind of like the last that really saw Nebraska, like last generation of of people, the young people that saw uh, Nebraska be Nebraska. Young people today don't really know the black shirts and all that, but that brand is legit, and that fan base is incredible. So to win on that setting was incredible. Deep cut quickly. Yes. Does Ammon Olsen regret leaving? (laughs) That is a deep cut, and yes, (laughs) he should. 
I think he got an he, NFL gig, right? Or did he he would have. He would have come in in yeah. that situation. You wouldn't have thrown an RM home for 50 days. I remember asking Bronco in 2015 Media Day, Bronco, are you okay having three true freshmen as the backups to Taysom? He just stared at me and said, what do you think? And I was like, <laughs> you're right, Bronco. That's a great point. You're right. That's a great <laughs> I was like, what do you Yeah, think? like I appreciate the honesty. Like I am with you. What do you think? I get it. Uh, Tennessee 2019. That was an amazing game. We were there for that one. Knoxville, uh, Neyland Stadium, one of the biggest crowds ever to witness a BYU football game, and the Cougars get it done in overtime. Tyson Williams, Zach Wilson, Micah Simon, they made it happen in OT and got it done. I love that game, but do I love it because of the SEC and Neyland Stadium yes. or because of the game? That f- first four quarters were, was downright awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at Alex carrying the press box, I'm saying – Oh, what did we just come out here to see? <laughs> this is a train wreck. I love, uh, and this is the opposite. This had the venue plus the performance, Texas 2014. That was a good one. Uh, Taysom jumping over Texas defenders. I have a T-shirt of that moment. <laughs> so that was, and, and that was a game, too, where Texas, by that point, was not the Texas of Vince Young. But keep in mind, they were motivated. Sometimes yes. these teams against BYU – They'd be like, well, you you could question the motivation. I hate that angle, but it's sometimes real. They were saying, we're going to put the T back in Texas. We're going to take down BYU. I remember that Dave Campbell Texas high school football cover. They had Charlie Strong with a pair of uh, Texas players, and they said, we're coming for BYU. And I was like, oh, my gosh. They are gunning for that BYU game, and BYU smacked them again. And they got blasted. Love it. And one of my favorite plays, I think, of the independent era – was in that game and didn't even count because of a bogus holding call. But Taysom <laughs> rips off like a 70-yard run. He's stiff-arming people, running away from Texas defenders, and they call it back on a horrific holding call. I'm trying to remember who it was even. I think it was Jordan Leslie, actually. Yeah. It was it was unbelievable, but that performance was just pure domination. And, and that's honestly the game that made me feel like 2014 was going to be a special year before that injury to Taysom that we referenced last segment because they just blasted Texas to the high heavens. And and that team, and this might be something that BYU football needs to get back to moving into the Big 12, Mitch. That team knew what they were yes. on both sides of the football. They had an identity. This year, I think one of the reasons that things slipped a little bit was offensively, outside of Jaron Hall, what was the identity? I don't know if they had one. And defensively, they certainly didn't. Uh, That team did, and it's too bad they uh, couldn't stay healthy. But that Texas one was great. Another road win that I thoroughly enjoyed was Navy 2020 because that was a game. You were one of how many people in the stadium? 35 people that was there. One. So for selfish reasons, I I enjoy that one because, say, I was at that. It's it's very surreal to look back on that and say I was in that venue and amidst the the heights of, uh, of COVID-19 paranoia and things like that. But uh, I just think that that performance, too, is like – because I, I thought going into that game, BYU was going to win, but I thought, oh, it'll be close. You know, it's Navy. Talk about breaking another coach. You know, Ken Niamatololo got fired, and you could point to that game as the starting point of his yeah. downfall. They didn't tackle. Navy did because of COVID. BYU players were wearing masks on their face mask in fall camp leading up. It was just so weird. And then you see – Oh, a 55-piece, and they win 55-3. to Tyler Algier runs wild because, remember, that was going into the year. Who's going to be the running back? Zach Wilson, there was some debate. I mean, Zach wasn't even the story in that game. He was kind of an afterthought. Totally. And BYU just ran away from Navy. So that was one of those season openers where 
it was refreshing to see BYU just put it on a team because typically we've grown grown so accustomed to season openers for BYU and Independence. It's twenty to seventeen. It's some late late moment thriller. This one was just line it up and BYU annihilated Navy and you had Kirk Herbstreet and Reese Davis there. And uh, it was a, it was a big stage for BYU in that moment. I got two honorable mentions for you here, and they're both end of the season wins. I wonder if you can pick up on where I'm going here. First one, uh, the opponent wasn't great. 2015, that was a fun football game with Christian Stewart, Mitchell Jurgens, Cal. Oh, 2014. 2014 excuse yes. me, you're right. 2014, yes. yes. 2014, that was a fun game. Even though Cal wasn't great, they had Jared Goff, a lot of back and forth, huge plays. That was a fun football game. And then 2021, even though they weren't any good, Anytime you can go down to the Coliseum and yeah. beat USC, that is a meaningful game. I don't care how bad USC. There's there certain teams, Texas, USC, Notre Dame. Does it mat- matter how bad they are, Mitch? If you win that game, that's awesome. The uniform combination was beautiful. Yeah. They beat USC in L.A. I liked both of those wins. Those are great, and I instantly think – to the Cal victory of that vine. Yes, I'm dating myself. It was the vine of Bronco crowd surfing on the players. Like, BYU won the national title, but they just got their eighth win. You know, and that team went through a lot of adversity that year. And uh, to get that eighth win, there's kind of some parallels to this year's BYU football team with that 2014 yep. squad. So that's a good pull there. I'd also say the Houston game in 2013. That was a amazing game. Offensive performance. I mean, that was record-setting in the NCAA record books by Taysom Hill, the type of numbers he put up. I think it was, what, 400 passing, 100-plus rushing. BYU ran about, like, 100 plays. It was go fast, go hard. That thing was just off the wall awesome, and and that was a a lot of fun watching that one. All right, we got to get to a break here. On the other side, we'll discuss the all-independence era BYU football team offense. You and I each picked our own Uh, top 11 on the offensive side of the football. Who made the cut? Who didn't? Sure to be controversial. We'll discuss that. 2022 marks the end of independence for the BYU Cougars. I love the fact that we get to go into the Big 12 uh, with all our teams. It's beautiful. Now, BYU heads to the Big 12 and a big wake-up call for their football and basketball programs. This is the end of independence with Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back in to the end of Independence Special here. Matt Biamonte and Mitch Harper. It's brought to you by UCCU. Love where you bank, and we hope you're having a wonderful Christmas Eve wherever you are and however you're listening. We appreciate you, and we wish you a Merry Christmas. We just discussed our favorite wins on the road and at home in the Independent Era. Now let's talk about the players who made those moments special. And we're going to start on the offense side of the football. Every position. Here's how we're breaking it down. One QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, or you can go two wide in a tight, and then five offensive linemen. Who is on your all-Independent Era offensive side? Uh, I kind of butchered that, but uh, you you get the gist. This is the offense side of the football. Our favorite players that – it's not even our favorite players. These are the players we think deserve to be yep. on this all-independent era team. Let's start with uh, the quarterbacks and running backs. Who do we got, Mitch? Well, should we start with – maybe should we start with O-line? Build yeah, up yeah, the, yeah. Build up the right. excitement of the yes. QB. I like that. Let's go O-line first because the big uglies up front, we, they're great, they're important, but 
they're, they're not very sexy on the radio, okay? <laughs> so here's my five on the O-line. I'm going to go Brady Christensen, Blake Freeland, Clark Barrington, James Empey, and here's a wild card. A guy that doesn't get enough respect, DeAndre Wesley. I like that pick. That's an ultimate Independence-era <laughs> pick. He was a guy that ended up in the NFL for a little bit. They got so. him out of the JUCO ranks? Yes, they did. He was in part of that uh, uh, hall. They had like three or four JUCO linemen. DeAndre Wesley was a pretty good one. So that's my five. Who, who are your uh, five offensive So linemen? I also have Brady Christensen, yep. Blake Freeland, James Empey. Okay. Where we differ is I'm throwing in Tijon Karoma. Okay. I know that I have two centers on there, but I don't care. Yeah, regardless of position. Yeah, here. regardless of position. And he could line up a guard. Karoma was uh, dang good. He was he was a stalwart at that center position. And think about, he came on the heels of Blair Tusshouse and other yes. centers that were no good. I mean, Belio has had an incredible stretch of good center play. I think Connor Pay had a good year. Maybe not quite as good as we thought, but it wasn't a bad year by any stretch. Before him was James Empey, who's now on the active roster with the Miami Dolphins. And then Tijon Karoma started that. So I got Tijon, and then I really struggled with that fifth spot, but I'm going to give it to Riker Matthews, okay. a highly recruited guy. Took him a little while to get up to speed, but ended up having a brief stint in the NFL, played in the Canadian Football League. Riker Matthews rounds out my uh, top five linemen of the independent era. He was one of the first big recruits, too, to commit to BYU when they were independent. Kind of yeah. made it feel like, okay, BYU can still recruit at a high level. Let, let's go to the wide receivers now. Here, here's my receivers. I'm picking two wideouts and a tight end. I'm going with Cody Hoffman, the all-time leading receiver in BYU history. He tore it up in the independence era. Puka Nakua, I'm going with him and also... Matt Bushman at tight end. What say you? I've got Cody Hoffman. Anyone under uh, in their right mind would yes, put Cody Hoffman Cody on the Hoffman. list. That's a no-brainer. I'm not putting, uh, putting Puka on the list. Uh, Puka, from a talent perspective, is clearly better than the player I'm going to put on the list. But my player had has better numbers at BYU, yeah. and uh, that's Mitch Matthews. I just think Mitch Matthews was great. And how many times has he denied you in the top five segment we do many in Cougar times. Sports Saturday? So uh, it's fitting that you don't put him on here because he's led you astray multiple times in that segment that we love so dearly. And then uh, Matt Bushman as well. I just think Matt Bushman was so good. And it we've said this before, but it bears repeating. It just makes me sick to think that he missed the 2020 year and how it's yeah. affected this guy's life. So he lives in Utah County currently. I think he's still getting back off of that injury. I've run into him a few times, and every time I see him, I just think, gosh, dang it, that freaking Achilles injury. He would have put up unbelievable numbers in 2020. He would have been a top three-round NFL draft pick, and we would be talking about him incredibly differently. I just hit His bad luck, is it's unbelievable. And then yeah, he probably should have come back, actually. After, hindsight's 2020, but he comes back and plays with Jaron Hall. Who knows what happens in 2021, but what he did during a down part of BYU football, because he started in yeah. 2017. That team stunk. He was and the lone bright spot. He never saw the highs of BYU football. His yeah. best his best year in Good terms point. of team success was 2019. Then he gets hurt in 20, so he never got to enjoy the 10-win seasons. But uh, the numbers speak for themselves. He was great. And Bushman, I, I also feel bad for how it played out this past NFL preseason. He has that big game with the Chiefs. You're thinking, oh, here we go. He's going to be the backup behind Kelsey. Then he gets hurt. Is there anyone more snake bitten than him? You'd want to say Taysom, but his career's worked out. Yes. Matt Bushman's career up to this point has not worked out. 
It's it's a bummer. We but Bushman, we're putting respect on your name. We love you, Matt you're Bushman. An you, you're an all timer. You're an all timer. Running backs, I think this is self explanatory, right? Oh yeah. We don't even need to debate this. It's uh Algier yeah. and Jamal. Yeah. No questions asked. I mean, you're talking about Jamal Williams, all-time career rushing leader, and Tyler Algier, all-time single-season rushing leader. And you're talking about two guys, too, that are making a huge impact in the NFL right now. Jamal, I still think he's the leader in the NFL in, in touchdowns. It might, it might be a change. i got to double-check. Then Algier had a huge game this past Sunday uh, against the Saints. Uh, Algier is one of the best rookie running backs in the league, and he's going to be that RB1 for the Falcons for quite some time. All right. Now to the quarterback position. And before we give us our picks, it's really a three-man race. Yeah, it is. It is Taysom Hill, Zach Wilson, and Jaron Hall. I don't think anyone else belongs in this conversation. Who are you going with as your all-time independent era quarterback? Sol J. Miles Peters. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. One great performance gets him on the list. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know what? I was torn here. I I feel like in my all-time rankings, I'm putting Jaron above this guy, but that one season was something special. Going to go with Zach Wilson. 2020, oh. what, he, what he did that year gave BYU fans hope that BYU could accomplish – Greatness, again, as an independent team. And I know that they didn't cross the finish line. They were one yard short against Coastal Carolina on a game that was short notice. But I'm going to go with Zach. I just think that that year, what he did in 2020, I thought he was a pretty good quarterback, too, throughout his whole time at BYU. I know he had some ups and downs, but I just thought Zach in 2020 was brilliant. I mean, how amazing he was. And that one year alone, I think, carries the weight for me. What about you? What I'm about to say is not influenced by what's happening in New York. All right. Okay. But to me, he's third out of Taysom, Jaron, and Zach. Everything you said is true about yeah. 2020. I just can't, and it's not his fault. I know we've discussed this many times. There just weren't enough good wins yeah. from Zach Wilson in his career. That That's what holds me back. And so because of that, uh, I'm giving the nod to Taysom. Just a hair above Jaron. Both of them have great wins. Uh, Taysom was hurt all the time, but Taysom's highs were probably higher than Zach or Jaron. And then he also has some good wins, though. Yes. And Zach had the best individual year of those three, but because of the freaking pandemic, he didn't get a chance to display that against any quality teams other than Coastal, which we already discussed. So uh, it's very difficult. All You can make a case for all three, honestly. You made a great case for Zach. I think Taysom was by far the most dynamic and explosive quarterback of the three. Injuries, I think, stopped him from rising the record books. And then Jaron has been great. He just hasn't played as much football as the other guys. So it's it's hard to – I don't think anyone is a definitive, clear-cut choice at that position. Taysom was ready to take on Jimmer Fredette levels of stardom, I think, in 2014 or 15. Yeah. Yep. And he stayed healthy. I mean, you're right. That 15 season, he was ready to be a Heisman winner. Yep. He, I, I will take that to my grave <laughs> that Taysom goes to, the, to New York yep. in 2015. I, I will say, though, too – 2016, uh, you know you know me. I mean, I love the ultimate what-ifs. Yes. <laughs> 2016, I wish BYU would have had, you know, maybe a little bit more up-tempo offense. For sure. For Taysom. And I think Taysom benefited greatly learning from Ty. 
It was one of the reasons he came back to to learn under Ty and to digest a playbook. Uh, but that pro style offense was just not right. It was not the right no, fit because, for Taysom. And, and there were glimpses during the year, the final touchdown drive against Utah, they go up tempo, and it, it looked like a different offense. To think that BYU with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams in 2016, they lose four games by a total of eight points, but they had the 65th best offense in college football. You go, what? Right. Yeah, those two guys in your 60, your, your middle of the road? Come on. I mean, that's one of those where you wish you could run it back and get a mulligan because if you could go back in time and do it differently, that's where, okay, Taysom, you know, what you did against Utah late in that game, we're doing that the whole year, up-tempo, and you're going to be just on the run. On the other side, Mitch, let's get to the defensive side of the football, our all-independent-era defensive side of the ball. We'll do that next. It's December giving. Join UCCU and give help to those in need. Visit uccu.com for details. You're listening to the end of independence on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the look back of independence here for BYU football. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. If you miss any part of this show, you can listen to it on kslsports.com on the Cougar Sports Saturday podcast feed. We're looking back at the all defensive team. During BYU's era of independence, 12 years. So there's a lot of personnel during that dozen or so years of Cougar football to pick from. And you know what, Matt? I I will say there is a lot of great defensive personnel. I almost feel like this is, uh, you know, kind of cut and dry because, you know, BYU in the WAC and the Mountain West days, they were kind of known by offense. But uh, early on in the independence era, I think defense was the calling card for BYU football from a branding, from an image. Like, you talk about people nationally discussing BYU football, they'd say physical, defensive-minded team. And a lot of that was due to what Bronco Mendenhall was doing on the defensive side of the ball. You think about that 2012 defense, the third-best defense nationally. I mean, maybe the best BYU football defense I've ever seen. Uh, They were outstanding. So there's a lot of good players to pick from on this all-independence-era defensive team. And text us at 57500. We'd love to know who we left off our teams. So feel free to text us if you think someone belonged on here that we didn't put on there. Let's start with the defensive line where I think we're in lockstep here. And, and mind you, we're going 3-4. Yeah. That's, that's BYU at its best in the yep. independence era. 3-4, Bronco, like the linebackers. we we got to give an extra spot to those linebackers. Side note, this is a quick tangent. Do you miss a defense that just – has an identity, and that's what it is. Like, yes. In in the old days, you never heard we got to be multiple. It's like <laughs> we're three four, and we're shutting you down. Like, Jay Hill's going to bring that back. You think? I, I feel confident in that. I mean, I just get the sense from Jay Hill that he's going to make the the tough changes, and he's going to be a lot more. And maybe the it's wrong usage of the word, but maybe more cutthroat, yeah. and just like this is what it is. And if you don't want to get on board, well, there's the portal. I love that, and I think that. There's a, a shift, and I think there's going to be a lot a lot tougher mentality in BYU's defense. So going into the Big 12 era, I think it's going to get a lot better for BYU defensively. But, you're, yeah, I mean, those those years of the tail end of independence defensively the past few seasons, it's it's been underwhelming. Yep. And it's got to get better because some of these names we're reading off, uh, you're not seeing recent years. <laughs> we're talking like the early years of independence. <laughs> yeah. So that's got to change. Defensive line for me. Um and I really debated on this one because he hardly played. And and you could probably criticize Bronco for this. But when he played, 
This man was disruptive to the tune of being a top 10 NFL draft pick. That is, of course, Ziggy Ansah. Yeah, no question. I, I don't I don't think you can debate that. I mean, you're talking about maybe the best pass rusher to ever come through BYU. That's crazy. <laughs> and I'm curious, Matt, because you were covering the team at the time. Did you Were you part of those media scrums when Broncos said, this guy could be an NFL player, or Kelly yeah. K-pop? What I remember you, that. What did you think? You're like, this guy's a walk-on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, that's what I would have thought. There was definitely that, but when you looked at him, yeah. you can't teach that size and speed. Yeah. It's just a bummer that, that he wasn't able to be unlocked his junior year. Like, why did it take <laughs> so dang long? And it get... took an injury to Ethan Manumaliuna <laughs> right. in his senior year to really give him the, the, the runway. So we got Ziggy, Bronson Kafusi, probably the best overall defensive lineman of the independent yeah, era. No question. And then uh, Kyrus Tonga. I think, you know, Ethan was a guy that crossed my mind. Romney Fuga, another guy. Travis, uh, Travis Tui Loma. But ultimately, I think Tonga was the best of those types of defensive line. Yeah, we each created our own teams, but we were in lockstep there on the defensive line. I think that's the three guys that you roll with. And, you know, part of these sometimes factors in NFL. I try to avoid that as much as yes. possible. But as far as production at, at BYU, too, these guys were, were top of the line. They were outstanding uh, for the Cougars. And Bronson Kafusi too, you think about him. You know, 2014, he's at linebacker. He's dropping back into coverage. You're like, what is going on? Get this man off the edge. And then in 2015, <laughs> he goes back to DN, and he had, you know, 13 sacks. He's still the last guy at BYU to re- record more than 10 sacks in a season. Like, when is BYU going to get back to that? That That is the task for you, Jay Hill. Jay Hill, get a double-digit sack artist back on that D-line because, look, Ziggy, Bronson, they were doing that, and – they got to the league. Yep. Like, there is a premium for yep. getting to the QB. You get a guy that can get 10-plus sacks, he's going to get drafted. It goes without saying that sacks aren't the end-all, be-all. Oh, but yeah. tell us that it matters. That's I think that's all we're wanting here <laughs> is you to say we want to get to the quarterback. Well, in some of these offenses, too, I mean, they're just getting the ball off so quick. It's hard. You know, yeah. it, but, you know, when you're going up against, like, a Stanford this year when they're dropping back, five-step drop back, I mean, get to the QB, and they did that. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, these type of players, uh, they had a that you knew every single week what they were going to provide to, and I think that was you know Kyrus was one that sometimes you could say he didn't. There were some games where it's like, where was Kyrus? Yes, but as the whole collection of his work, I thought he did a fantastic job at BYU, and his just his sheer size alone was a disruptor in the interior of the defensive line for BYU. Let's move into the linebackers. Four oh, linebackers yeah. here for me. I've got obviously. The best, I think, defensive player of the independent yeah. era, Kyle Van Noy. No question. Um, Fred Warner's had a better NFL career, but I think Kyle was better at yes. BYU. But Warner was certainly good enough to be on this list. So Van Noy, Warner, Sione Takitaki. And then for me, I really struggled with this fourth one because there was a lot of guys. I, I considered Juana Kavanga. I considered okay. um, even Wani Unga. However, he just... I just don't feel like they were at BYU long enough to supplant this guy. So I ultimately went with Brandon Ogletree. I mean, he just very – he was underrated. He was undersized. But did the dude ever miss a tackle? It just felt like that was a sure-fire tackling machine who knew his assignments, got the job done. I thought Brandon Ogletree was a great BYU middle linebacker. Yeah, he was a really good one. Had some uh, 
Didn't he have like a f- website too after his days at BYU? It was some good stuff. Like he's always just been like a BYU guy from Big Twelve country down in the state of Texas. Always like uh, Brandon Ogletree. But yeah, pretty much in lockstep again. Uh, I got Kyle Vinoy, Fred Warner, Sione Taki Taki, and then my fourth guy is the Alani Fua. I thought athleticism wise. Fool was just uh, elite. I mean, an incredible body. I mean, I, I thought – I remember watching on ESPNU, it was Skyline High School from Washington, uh, Jake Heaps versus <laughs> Oaks Christian. And I'm watching, you know, see Zach Stout, Jake Heaps, the Iggy's trio. And I'm like, oh, this Alani Fua, dude, I need to be paying more attention to this guy who's also a BYU commit. This guy's tearing it up. And – he was he was really good. Had a brief you know career in the NFL. Injuries derailed that, but uh, Alani was really good for BYU. I considered maybe Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, uh, but I, I think Alani Fu. I just thought those linebackers in the Bronco era were amazing. Yeah, they, they, they were. just they they produced at such a high level. And and Fred Warner carried over into the early years of of Kalani and. And I respect that Fred Warner was part of that 2017 team, and he would always answer the questions to the media. I thought he was a real leader in that moment for BYU, and it's carried over his leadership into the 49ers. But, yeah, the the linebacking that BYU had with KVN, that guy just – he could win games. And that poinsettia bowl, it's so amazing to think back on. But, uh, you know, BYU's offense was just dead in the water, and that guy ignited – BYU. I mean, so many games he did. It, it, it's just it's remarkable what KVN did for BYU, and and uh, it's crazy to think too that after his freshman year he was ready to bounce. If there would have been a portal back then, oh, he, he would have been, been dipping. Yep. And uh, but he stuck it out and stayed loyal to Bronco, and it paid off because uh, he's an all timer. I mean, maybe the you could make a case he's the best defensive player of all time at BYU. That's how good he was. Yeah. All right, defensive backs and then uh, special teams. For, for me, uh, the two obvious ones, Kainakua, Daniel Sorensen, yeah. and then uh, you could debate a lot of different ways here. But I went Robertson Daniel. I thought that he was really impactful when he came to BYU at that defensive back. And, and he came at a time of need, too. So I, he joined the program late and was an impact player. And then Chris Wilcox, just let's not forget him getting uh, targeted early and often by Arizona. A long, long time ago. Or being torched by Toledo yes. in 2016. And he got drafted. Yeah. Like, I, Speed. I just, yep. I just thought that he, he did a pretty nice job for BYU. He did. Uh, you know, my DBs, I went with Kai, who I think kind of Kua, I think he's up there with the Kyle Morrells, like great safeties of, of BYU history. Yep. Kai Nakua was incredible. Daniel Sorensen, no doubt. I mean, that he comes in as a linebacker in 08, and I remember he turned down Ole Miss, and you saw instantly as a linebacker, this guy's going to be special. Then he comes back from the mission, and he was one of the few that comes back from a mission, instant contributor. Sorensen was was really good. You know, I'm going to go with a little bit of a curveball here. Uh, the name is well known. He's, he's moved on now. But uh, Preston Hadley, I thought he was so good coming out of Snow College, and he was part of that great 2012 defense. He was just plug and play. He was outstanding. And he was just a lockdown corner. No one ever talks about him, maybe because he was a Utah County guy. Guy, but I thought Hadley was really good. I went to high school with Preston Hadley yeah, at he, Pleasant Grove, <laughs> and I did play-by-play for PG his senior year for PG. Really? Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought he would have turned out to be a great college defensive back. Let alone. 
being on Mitch Harper's yeah. all independent defensive team. I thought he was legit, man. I just, I, you know, maybe that's just a personal bias, but I, I just thought Hadley was good. And then my last one was Zane Anderson. I, I know he didn't really play corner and he dabbled a little bit with it. Is that safety? Is that linebacker? He can play a lot of different positions, but I, I just thought Zane's athleticism. Uh, I always enjoyed watching him play, and I saw so I'll give his nod to Zane Anderson. Quick special teams, Jake Oldroyd, uh, regardless of what happened this year, <laughs> he's the all-time leading scorer at BYU. Yeah. So yeah. He, he deserves to be there. Punter, I think we're both uh, in agreement. Ryan Rico, um, he's just been the perfect blend of execution, power, hang time. I just think he's been the most talented punter BYU's had in a long, long time. Yeah. Those punts in the New Mexico Bowl highlight how good Rico is. we got to take a break, though. On the other side, maybe the best quarterback in Independence will break down that conversation. Also, look at look back on these 12 years of BYU football in Independence. It's here on KSL News Radio. 2022 marks the end of Independence for the BYU Cougars. I love the fact that we get to go into the Big 12 uh, with all our teams. It's beautiful. Now, BYU heads to the Big 12 and a big wake-up call for their football and basketball programs. This is the end of Independence with Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the end of Independence Era here on KSL News Radio. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte, looking back at the last 12 years of Cougar football. It's crazy to think that this time has uh, flown by. You know, BYU is now off to the Big 12 Conference. I still remember last year, September 2021, Tom Homo emerges from the shadows. Cougar Nation, welcome to the Big 12. Did you get goosebumps when you saw that? <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I remember being in the... Uh, and your, your tone was too high there. It yeah, was, I, I know. It's... Cougar Nation, welcome to the Big 12. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't believe my eyes that I'm seeing Bob Bowlesby, the man that Cougar Nation used to hate, uh, the Big 12 logo, and Tom Homo, and I'm just like, this is happening. Please give us the impression of the actual invitation from the Texas Tech president. I love your invi- your, <laughs> your your impression here, <laughs> Doctor Lawrence Skubinik. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all on Zoom. We're sitting yes. in Studio C. Gosh. We're, he goes. The the Big Twelve would like to in- invite Brigham Young University into the Big Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's this great clip, and you just go, "That's it, that's the moment." And this this is now they're legit in the Big on Twelve. On behalf of the Big Twelve, yes, that's we- what it was. <laughs> on behalf of the board of directors and the Big Twelve Conference, we'd like to formally invite Brigham Young University into the Big Twelve Conference. You can tell how many times I've listened to that thing because you just go, "Wow, that actually happened." BYU's in the Big Twelve, and uh, but it brings to an end independence as the Cougars. Wrap that up last week in Albuquerque to take down SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. And as Kalani Sataki said, they can finally talk about the Big 12 now. And uh, so we're looking, but we're looking back before we get to into the future of the Big 12. We're looking back on independence. And, you know, when it comes to BYU football, Matt, we know it's all about the quarterback play. Yep. And who was the best quarterback in independence for BYU? So on my... All independent offensive team. I had Taysom Hill as my quarterback there. I think the best BYU independent quarterback was Jaron Hall, mm. actually. Um, and I think if he 
had another year as an independent quarterback, it would be clear-cut because he has two great passing years under his belt. Not even Zach had that. Zach had one. Zach had the best year of them all. Jaron had two really good, if not great, passing years. In 2021, his touchdown ratio to interceptions was 4-1, to which is pretty good. His yardage was a little low because he missed some time. But his numbers were great. His turnovers were dang low. You come into 2022, you lose Tyler Algier, and you you increase your touchdown-to-interception ratio to 6-1. to yep. And you throw for over 3,000 yards. You play in 12 football games. And let's not forget, at the early part of the year, there was no Pukunakua. The wide receiver room was wild. I mean... No Gunnar Romney. No Gunnar Romney. In the Baylor game, it was all Chase Roberts. Uh, later, Cody Epps emerges. He worked with everybody. Every single receiver that came in in 2022, they worked. And they did in 2021 as well. Samson Akua, not a problem. Come on in. I just feel like when you look at the quarterback position, you want someone who is a leader. I think Jaron Hall was a phenomenal leader. You want someone who gets you big wins. You beat Utah for the first time in in a what, 11, 12 years, nine football seasons. You want someone who is dual threat. You, I mean, and let's not forget, I, I do take stock of what Aaron Roderick says, especially uh, in, in the offseason between 2021 and 2022, where he said that he wouldn't trade Jaron Hall for anybody in the country. We were there when he said it. It was not coach speak. It was not hyperbole. He meant it. And I think it was because Jaron Hall is – borderline elite in a lot of characteristics, of, of quarterback characteristics, because being a great quarterback, Mitch, is not just having the strongest arm. It's not being six foot five, 240. There's so much that goes into it. Jaron Hall took care of the football better than any of those guys. He had a much better completion percentage than Taysom. I could go on and on and on, but all the stats really point to Jaron Hall. Yeah, uh, you know what? I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I think that Zach had the best individual season, and I think Zach kind of embodies what Cougar fans want from the quarterback position in terms of explosive plays, the the huge home run balls. I mean, Zach just delivered what you like as a fan. You know, the 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 thrilling plays and and just those oh those plays you like doing in in uh, or executing in a video game. Jaron Hall though, I think you're right. All the points that you made, that's why I probably give him the the nod as far as just maybe the best overall QB because the moment he stepped foot on campus in 2018, he was already just good uh, to the point where you felt like going into that 2018 season, your best two quarterbacks are a pair of freshmen in Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. And you're like, man, this is going to work out quite nicely for BYU where these guys are going to be the future for years to come. And it's it's played out that way. Zach and then Jaron. And, you know, it's interesting, too. Coaches have made it a consistent talking point to the TV broadcasters for every game. You know, in, for for listeners out there, there's this, you know, on a Saturday game, there's a Friday media production where, like, the TV broadcasters get a chat with the coaches, and they kind of get intel that maybe the, the coaches don't give to the general media like us in a, in a press conference setting. But every broadcast, without fail, the little talking point that was brought up, Jaron was very close to to Zach in beating him in the quarterback competition. Yep. And I think that was by design, not because, I don't think it's coach speak because Zach's gone, but I really think that these coaches believe that they're pretty much equals, and maybe Jaron's better uh, as far as just the other dynamics that uh, 
maybe you don't get factored in into turning into a number two overall pick because Zach had that just what you love as a draft pick. Yeah. And where Jaron has these intangibles that just embody the BYU quarterback that endear him, and he loves BYU. He was a return missionary. Like, those just things add a layer that just BYU fans connect with on a deeper level. And, uh, you know, you bring up the wins. USC, Utah, Virginia, Washington State, Arizona Baylor. State was ranked. The, just the brands, those logos. And that, USC. That's just that's big time for BYU. It's huge. It, it's, it's absolutely big time. And I just feel like Jaron Hall, what's his worst game? The Liberty game? He wasn't great in the yeah, Liberty game. His completion Liberty. percentage Notre Dame. Was, I'd yeah. say Notre Dame. Notre Dame or Liberty. But for the majority... Banged up shoulder. Yeah. Uh, for the majority of his career, though, you were getting a consistent high level of play. With Zach and with Taysom, there were, were much worse drop-offs yeah. in their play where you had a sub-50% completion percentage. You were making horrible plays. or or bad. I mean, the Liberty loss was not great. The Notre Dame loss was not great. Those are winning programs. He didn't drop a game to UMass. Yep. He didn't drop a game to Northern, uh, to Northern Illinois. It's like, I just, maybe the highs weren't quite as there, but his consistency, his level of consistency yep. was higher than the other two. Yeah, I hope Cougar Nation really uh, appreciates what Jaron did. Uh, because even, even like in my, you know, people I, I, I'm very close to, like extended family and whatnot, they're like, Really, Jaron's an all-time great. I'm like, folks, I get that too, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, Jaron is an all-timer. I, 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 I just, I, I, I think that you got to appreciate this man. He's the incredible quarterback, and next year it's going to probably hit you like a stack of bricks. Yeah. You know, if he moves on <laughs> to the NFL, uh, you're going to go, oh man, Jaron was special, uh, and so. Uh, understand how good he was because if he does move on to the NFL, he's going to be he's going to stay in the league. And he's like Taysom in the sense where don't bet against that guy yep. because he will prove everyone wrong. Even if a team ends up taking him in the fifth round, he will find a way to stick and make sure it works. Because I'm just not betting against Jaron. Yeah, he never had the jaw dropping moments yeah. like Taysom or Zach. However, I do believe he'll be a, a better NFL quarterback than both of them. Because he stays on script, he does what yeah. the offense demands. And in, if you want to be, if you look at some of the great quarterbacks in the in the history of the NFL, a lot of them do not play like Mahomes. Mahomes is an outlier. A, a lot of the greats were Drew Brees, Tom Brady. What did they do? They stuck to the script. They were efficient. They did not turn the football over. That's what Jaron Hall does, and that typically works in the NFL. It's December giving. Join UCCU and give help to those in need. Visit uccu.com for details. Big thanks to UCCU for sponsoring today's Independence Era here on KSL News Radio. Taking a time out, our final one. Uh, we'll get to what has BYU accomplished in the Independence Era. We'll put a bow on the show next here on KSL News Radio. You're listening to the end of Independence on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back in. To the end of Independence Special here on KSL News Radio. It's Matt Biamonte Macharper. We're the host of Cougar Sports Saturday. We do that each and every Saturday from noon to three, right here on KSL News Radio, the legacy home of the BYU Cougars. We have been looking back at the Independent Era, which there's a lot of great memories in the Independent Era. I think we're all ready for it to end, but when you really <laughs> think about it in its totality, I think there was a lot of good. And when BYU initially went independent, Mitch, 
I think it was pretty clear why they did it. Do you believe the reasons that they went independent, we're talking exposure, we're talking flexibility, not to be sheltered by the mountain in the Mountain West, do you believe that BYU uh, accomplished what they wanted to when they initially announced their uh, departure from the Mountain West? It's a resounding yes. I think so because they wanted to use this independence as a platform to springboard into the Power Five. They did that. And it was perfect timing. You know, I think I look back on it, Matt, and I think if Texas and Oklahoma maybe go to the SEC this past summer and USC and UCLA are the first ones to leave, I think we're talking about a different picture altogether for BYU to the point where maybe the Big 12 and Pac-10 merge and it would have got ugly. I think the timing was just perfect and the stars aligned for BYU to get into the Big 12 and they had a guy in Bob Bowlesby who believed in them and it just worked out masterfully for BYU and and I think independence highlighted uh, BYU's strengths and it helped them overcome some of the issues that maybe are deemed issues by people that aren't familiar with BYU. I think anyone that gets close to BYU football or gets close to BYU, the university, they realize a lot of the stereotypes or the preconceived thoughts about BYU are sometimes over, they're exaggerated and they're over, they're, they're, they're incorrect, honestly. And I think that independence helped them kind of showcase their brand in a, in a more visible way than ever before. And, and I think that independence honestly should be looked back in high regard. And I'm so glad that BYU is going to the Big 12, but I'm also glad too, Matt, that we will never hear another summer column or radio segment again. Should BYU go back to the Mountain West Conference? (laughs) No! We never have to hear that again because the answer is no. They're going to the Big 12, baby. And it was always no. Yes. Because I think they they may never admit this, but this is what I believe. The sole purpose of independence was to get away from the Mountain West. That's no just question. that's all it was. I know that it was branded with exposure and ESPN and all, but at the end of the day, the Mountain West was not run well. And I'll never forget how frustrated I was in 2009. I'd just gotten home from my uh, LDS mission that I – how do broadcasters – I I did my LDS mission. Yes. How do I <laughs> – You took your mission trip. I took my mission trip. Yep. I got home from my mission trip. <laughs> And, I always hate when people oh, say that, but anyway, go on. It's, it's just like, just research it a little bit, please. They served. It's not that hard. Anyway, go on. You're so right. Cool. I took my mission trip. had a great time. I came back in better shape. I was working out. I'm a, I was more mature. I have advantages in every – no, I'm, I'm kidding. And we get to that BYU-Utah game, which was in Provo. That was the famous Andrew George game. Freaking hard to watch. Yep. I, I did not have tickets to the game, and it it took me hours to figure out, does Dish Network have it? What do we have to pay? What package is this a part of? I ended up getting it, but it was painful. So when BYU left that, I was like, ESPN? Yes! <laughs> Sign me up! I know where I'm going to be able to watch the games. Like I think we have taken that for granted a little bit. And I've, I've never liked it when BYU fans get mad about, oh, man, ESPNU, 830. Yeah, you should be thanking 
ESPN for putting you on ESPN U because the alternative is you you got to get Comcast or some other package. Like the Pac-12 is is negotiating with Amazon. I hope you have Prime, otherwise you're not watching any of these games. It's just it was so refreshing in the independent era to not have to worry about where am I going to get the football game. BYU was one of the most watched teams in the past ten years because of going independent. We all benefited from that. And I absolutely loved the exposure that we got from ESPN throughout all these years and all the times we were on. I mean, we had games against New Mexico State were on ESPN for heaven's sake. San Jose State. Like, games like that were on uh, readily accessible channels because of the independent era. And that was great. I loved that. The Mountain Network was painful. It was so hard to be a part of that. And... They didn't have HD. Some of the, it's some of the games they couldn't even read the numbers on the screen. So that alone, to me, makes the independent air successful. The, the glow up has been uh, something else for BYU, and I think you look at the Mountain West Conference. I mean, I was out there in Albuquerque last week, and I talked to a few of their media people that that cover New Mexico football and New Mexico sports. They said that since BYU's left, it's never been the same, and it's not solely because of BYU. It also was TCU and Utah, yes. but. BYU meant so much to that league, and BYU has this this energy, this brand that you feel something, whether you love them or you hate them. When BYU rolls into town, you're going to have a feeling towards them, and it's going to happen eventually in the Big 12. It's all kumbaya and honeymoon's phase right yep, now. Yep. There will come a day where some team loses on a questionable referee call, and BYU fans are going to take them off, and then they're going to go like, I hate BYU, but it's yep. like, that is BYU means a lot to a lot of people when they play football, and uh, I think that Independence has uh, achieved what BYU sought out to do. It was not easy. I mean, th- there were games where you go and you're watching BYU take on Savannah State, and you're going, "What on earth are we doing here today?" Because is this what it is for BYU when when everyone else is contending for conference titles and bigger bowls? BYU's playing. Wagner, uh, they're playing SUU. Like, no offense. I mean, it, it's going to be different next year, though, because you're playing We're going to have those games next year. And it's at the beginning of the season. Yes. And it, it's still, there's some juice to it. It's like a little bit, of, it's like a tune-up for league play. And it's just, it, it's there was a lot of trying times. And I think for Cougar Nation, that the ones that sat through it all and the ones that, because I remember in those early years of independence, it was so easy for people. Like, I remember going to high school and school people grew up with. They flipped from BYU to Utah. And it was like, what? Like, oh, I want to watch Pac-12. I want to yep. see those teams. I want to see USC. Yep. You just go, Cougar Nation, those ones that stayed loyal, strong, and true through all the times, the losing streaks. You stuck through it. On the other side, you're going to the Big 12. This is for you. Like, these, this Cougar fans that stayed loyal, strong, and true, this move I think is for them because th- th- these times were trying. And when you're sitting through WCC hoops and you're sitting through all that and you're like, I don't know who the heck these teams are, but you still showed up. This move to the Big 12 is for you and all the patience that Cougar Nation has shown and the support they've shown. This move is for them. Summarize. The past two hours of the end of Independence Special. And however you've joined us, we've appreciated it. Independent era, it had some highs, it had some lows. It was the right move, but we're ready for the Big 12, baby. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. 
And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.